This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. How would you describe what's happened to you today? Um, Best day of my life. Uh, to come here, you know, for the first time, obviously captain Aston Villa and scored a winner, you know, it's what, it's what dreams are made of, especially for me being an Aston Villa fan. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. And joining me, two people who have also had the greatest days of their life, Dan Rogers from the TheVillaUnderground.com and also Chris Bird. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening. What a fine evening this is. God, I'm smug. I'm so smug. <laughs> Was it the best day of your life, like Jackie Boy? It's probably the best Sunday I've had in the last week. <laughs> Where I, I went to Crufts on Friday, and that was probably the best day of my life. What a lad. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, it, Crufts came to Birmingham in 1991, and uh, it's now a, a bastion of uh, Brummyland. So uh, what better way to spend a weekend than one day at Crufts, and then obviously the Sunday biggest game in the area. And uh, my heart was full of joy after that Friday. I, I was there from 10 to 8 p.m. Wow. wow. That's a lot of time and with dogs. I, it was so good. I could <laughs> really get into the details of different breeds and tell you, you know, who I met and why I was there. But uh, I could do the same thing with, with my trip to Amsterdam, but it would be a different kind of discussion around breeds. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just going to have this more of a, uh, a match reaction uh, rather than a, a, a long rambling uh, podcast. Mm. So obviously the uh, the Blues derby. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, send me uh, a tweet if you want to see some pictures from Crufts. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> if you're a Doug lover, just or send I don't me wanna... a tweet if you want to see any pictures from. Uh, no, no, probably. 
<laughs> Dan Rogers' dark social life. Anyway, coming up in the show, we will have uh, a quick three points to get straight into the meat and gravy of what uh, transpired at St. Andrews. And Did anything happen? Normally these games are nasty, but this one, uh, the script was all about we wanted to see some fucking justice in 90 minutes. <laughs> and uh, we got it. I mean, if, if it finished a draw or something, there would have been a bitter, bitter taste in the mouth. Mm. But it built up nicely for a good old Hollywood ending. Mm-hmm. We also have the uh, Scott Hogan touch count meter. And uh, after discussing the game and the incidents, and uh, there's obviously a bit of a spill off from the uh, the assault that sparked the game into life. We'll also uh, just briefly end uh, by looking at what we have to do before the international break to make sure we actually enjoy that international break. Anyway, let's uh, get on with the three points. Uh, first one, uh, Mr. Rogers. The firing of Big Darren Moore. Our other neighbours from across this this fine part of the world have, have seen fit to sack their manager whilst fourth in the league, with the second best away form, second most goals scored as they approach a financial chasm. West Bromwich Albion, ladies and gentlemen, are in the midst of, I think, making some awfully, awfully familiar mistakes to the ones that we made. If you look at the last six teams to get relegated from the Premier League, West Brom are the highest placed. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you just said, only Norwich have outscored them and uh, have a better away record. And I think, as I said on Twitter, uh, you know, I'd put money on them getting in the playoffs. And uh, what you need in the playoffs is very good away form, because if you're successful, two of your three games are away from home. So a bit of a strange one, I thought there. And if you don't have faith in Darren Moore now, when he's fourth and at least going to get in the playoffs, then surely you didn't have faith in him in the first place. Mm. I I don't get it. Well, I suppose on the one hand, it is it, it is about if you do draw with Paul Lambert, then that is the punishment. On the on the one hand, yeah. it, it is a fitting punishment. Instant sacking. Yeah, I, don't make, yeah. I, don't make, I don't make the rules, but I think it's just an, another um, another antsy Chinese owner who's kind of hit the panic button, hasn't he? From the looks of it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think uh, what Dan has just said. I think it's the. Uh, I think they call it the Lambert syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think if Dean Smith hadn't beaten uh, Ipswich, he'd have been a goner as well uh, in, mm. the, in the recent clash. Uh, anyway, let's move on to uh, point number two, uh, which was actually uh, a point uh, in the last podcast. Uh, the app that uh, was hoped would be able to uh, allow its own AFC would allow, they kind of build it as pe- investors. So people would, would spend £49 and become an investor in a club and have a share. But really, they're just customers. They don't have a stake in the, in the club. And it would be £49 to sign up. Uh, we discussed it as a uh, potential way of helping finance grassroots. Uh, and it's suddenly uh, derailed and unfurled very swiftly because... Uh, Twitter accounts, social media accounts suddenly disappeared. People started to research the guy behind it uh, and allegedly uh, found him. He had opened several companies uh, over the last decade, closed them pretty quickly, filed for bankruptcy once, Mm. and uh, without getting too into the details, uh, had a bit of a dubious record. And their attitude of how they dealt with people, uh, for example, somebody was trying to claim his money back and they were saying, right, uh, you're not getting your money back because you slagged us off on social media now. You know, dem are the rules. (laughs) And it just seemed all a bit flaky and wishy-washy. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss the concept out of hand because you know people uh, get militant and reticent against anything that's not like the traditions of eating a pie and uh, 
standing on a terrace, but uh, football will evolve and maybe some kind of uh, variation or mutation of this scheme might be a goer in the future. But this one seems a bit shonky. It appears to be shonky, shall we say. I think it's it's maybe someone who had a quite a, a good idea and hasn't executed it very well, but I'm sure somebody may come along and do the same thing better. Yeah, I mean, it's been done before with Ebel's fleet. Yeah, there is a, there is a bit of short-termism where you get that money up front and there's a track record of him disappearing from companies. So mm. we'll see how that one plays out. But uh, speaking okay. of getting rid of... Uh, somebody shady or who has let down a football club. Number three. The Oyston rain at Blackpool is over and with it, the Blackpool fans who've been boycotting the club for I think it's around four years and over 200 games have finally returned to to Bloomfield Road for their game against Southend this weekend. So before this weekend, I think they were averaging about 4,000 and 15,000 hearty seaside souls decided to turn up and uh, cheer their team onto a two-all draw. Can I just stop you there? Can I? Hearty seaside souls. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I think I, I need I, to I, yeah. carry on. <laughs> I thought, how can you patronise a bunch of fans so much? <laughs> they're still in like dark times. I mean, they're going into receivership. They're potentially facing massive points reduction. Yeah, it's about a twelve point deduction, and Oyston's been ordered to pay twenty five million to the co chairman. So while it's a good position that he's not there the fans want to go the club as an entity is still very much in trouble yeah i think it's uh, a symbolic silver lining yeah i think so so many clubs in distress them the cov charlton but villa maybe getting out of it but first of all though the scott hogan touch count meter didn't end up playing in the sheffield derby but old uh, Chris Wilder's rotation saw him start and play the full 90 minutes against Rotherham in Sheffield United's 2-0 win. Had a shot on target, wow. didn't score. 90 minutes, how many touches did he have? 20. Five, Dan Rogers? Five. <sighs> oh, who's the closest? 13 is the answer. I'll give you that one as a draw, though technically Chris wins it. Hang on, how can it be a draw and Chris wins it? Hang on, what, what? based on what? That's like winning nil-nil. You make based on what? He got 13, Chris said 20, you said 5. Chris is 7 away, you're 8 away. Okay. I, I, are my maths right or are they right? Well, uh, at, at midnight, uh, uh, given it's Scott Hogan, I, I concede the <laughs> yeah, don't worry. There's no prize. Don't worry about it. And it's such, it's such a minor victory. <laughs> That's not. Even I'm still losing. Go- I'm still losing at life. If only I was a hearty seaside soul. <laughs> let's not even go. Let's not waste time on this. But no. uh, the the bottom line is, uh, it's not. It's not a villa problem this uh, if he's only touching the ball 13 times in a whole 90 minutes he's just uh, not getting involved he's just not bothered is he he didn't <laughs> like this football luck he turns his back on it he, you know the less he less he has to do to earn his money the better maybe he's just doing loads of dummies you know so he's, he's trying to play like a real continental like he hasn't got injured yet though which is huge news <laughs> Yeah, he's probably due an injury, isn't he? In the next couple of weeks, I think, and that's why Wilder's like rotating him uh, heavily. Anyway, on to the Blues game. Uh, we'll keep our tabs on Mr. Hogan and see. Uh, I think thirteen—that's probably his season's best, to be honest. But uh, anyway, on to the Blues game again. Kind of similar to the the last couple of trips there, uh, although obviously they ended in draws. It was you know scrappy, mm. bitty, but there was an extra th- script. Th- through line obviously uh with what happened to Grealish straight away which uh, let's let's get on to that I mean there's a couple of incidents uh, there's the goal celebration where it all kicked off I mean we've just viewed uh, an alternate uh, video uh, angle of it where you see the steward 
he had a go at Grealish first, which obviously is one that's been doing the rounds. He had a go at uh, Hurahan, Mings. It's physical, to... though. It's not just having a yeah. go. It's, it's a real physical altercation. Then he uh, had a bit of afters with Mings. Big mistake. Bad mistake. <laughs> Bad mistake. <laughs> and uh, in the steward, as a steward pushing Mings off, I think he pushed Mings and fell over just from, you know, the when you're trying to push Mings, it just you just rebound off him, and that's what happens to the steward. Then he got up again just to kind of try to assert his authority. <laughs> he tried to but, style it uh, out, didn't he? Police officers' hats flying everywhere. <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen there is uh, they'll probably bring in a rule where if a player jumps into the crowd to celebrate, they get sent off or something, because that's what they'll probably do is to avoid this, is to uh, nip it in the bud. Where I, I, I think players celebrating with the crowd, I, I, that's part of the romanticism of football for me. Mm. We've had a couple of brilliant ones this year with Hutton and uh, Grealish. No, exactly. But let's go to the first incident. I mean, I'm watching it and I, you see him coming on the pitch and then you see him come in and you're thinking, shit, nobody's uh, mm. intercepting this dude. Mm. And the bottom line is uh, he fluffed his lines in terms of punching him. <laughs> I didn't expect you to be assessing. I know you're a boxing fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, I mean, if he punched him clean, obviously mm. Grealish doesn't see it coming because it's a cheap shot behind, you know, from behind. It is a and so he's, shot, isn't it? Yeah. you know, it's like Tyson Fury when he's getting hit by Deontay Wilder. He's, he's seeing it. So you, in that split second, you prepare for the impact. So you tense yourself. But if you get hit without seeing it, then you're getting hit cold, so to speak. And he, I don't know, he just kind of clips the bottom of his chin, hits him in the neck, and it's a bit of a mess, but enough to obviously... Uh, I mean, I think half of it, Grealish would have been startled by mm. it because you're not expecting it. It's like, you know, who's hitting you? What, the referee? You, you know, your <laughs> teammate? What's going on? And, you know, I tried to play devil's advocate and say, you know, all Blues fans can't be that bad. But every time we play the Blues at St. Andrews, they just let themselves down. I mean, mm. uh, it kind of adds to the spice of the occasion but this is a you know this is a some fucking prick just ruining it for everybody and if that if he had hit Grealish cleanly and say uh, you know put him in uh, let's say uh, in a position where he couldn't carry on then if I was Dean Smith I would have just walked the team off and just say fuck you yeah and basically say to the EFL, uh, I want three points. And, you know, they normally, was it a 3-0 victory they award you? And I'd have taken that. It's a bit windy to be playing anyway, to be honest. So if you can get an, e- if you can get an easy 3-0 win, get the you might gold, as well take get, it. Get the goal difference up. <laughs> get the goal difference up. And we'll take the clean sheet. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I think the main thing that saved that situation from flaring up, and we're also talking about potential inciting. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hotbed anyway. Was Grealish, just his behaviour, it was so cool and that was the incident where you thought Grealish's captain mm. this was a you know it's a massive litmus test for him even mm. just as a player but as a captain he, he was spot on in every way there I mean there's a great shot isn't there of him uh, when there's all chaos ensuing behind him and he's just sat there laughing his socks off with a little wry smile yeah I think, which I think is one of the pictures of the day well, that's the big irony of this, isn't it? That, that actually the, the guy, the complete idiot who, who ran on thinking he was Billy Big Balls doing what he did, you know, for what was a very scrappy game overall and it, and it you know, it wasn't much different, I suppose, after it. It gave Grealish, Grealish absolute purpose in it because he was, compl- Grealish was completely unfazed, I, I think, by it. Yeah, I, you know, which was remarkable. I think his lack of reaction was was commendable. I, mean, I don't know how much detail we want to go into into talking about how and why these things shouldn't happen but I don't you know from 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 Villa I think I've come out with a really strong statement to say why 
you know, it is unacceptable. And I don't think it is an isolated issue for Blues. I think from you say Villa have on. come out of a statement. Do, do you yeah. mean Birmingham? No, no, I was going to get to Blues's statement. The, the Villa, oh, right, Villa okay. came out with a statement following Blues's um, apology, basically underlining that it was, it's one, it's unprecedented really in English football. Um, this that this happened to an outfield player, and that the way it happened as well, you know, that the 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 fan gets on the pitch with such ease, and I have to say that there yeah. was a horrible couple of seconds where, probably like you just mentioned, I thought, you know, all the worst things come into your head, don't you? you know, Birmingham's got yeah. a worse knife crime issue than London. Yeah. And I think that the police have got some real <laughs> critical analysis of this to do because for, for me, you know, we've all been to St Andrews a number of times where you, you do compromise on your civil liberties and I and, and other things, and you hear about you know almost like this high fiving at the end of the Blues derby from West Midlands police. This was a real near miss, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm not in favour of things like the you know putting the fences back up and, and a completely disproportionate reaction. But they've got to deal with these things. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, uh, there's mass punishments, closed doors, banning of all fans. You know, the the media loves the incidents like this because this is when they can go into Mm. their hyperbole where no logic is provided. I mean, first of all, you have to stress this is very rare. This actually happens. And Mm. normally it's on goalkeepers. I mean, obviously Mm. there's the Peter Enkelman one in uh, 2002. An even worse one was uh, the Leeds fan on Chris Kirkland when he played for Sheffield Wednesday, 2012. There's a funny one, uh, which I, I think... I put in the notes as what did I call it the uh, Gillingham bumming incident <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you go, if you go on YouTube Gillingham goalkeeper put in Gillian goalkeeper attack 2013 as you see you see a goalkeeper about to take a, a goal kick and he bends down <laughs> and then suddenly this kid out of nowhere was he like 12 13 just like jumps on his back and knocks him over it's, if there's a similarity to Grealish but it's an unprovoked attack from behind with a difference it's <laughs> 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 but... to say he didn't see it coming <laughs> he didn't see it coming but it's a bit of a and, and the goalkeeper's reaction is one of bewilderment yeah. <laughs> as he loses his uh, anal virginity <laughs> uh, but but, uh, but it's it's more Benny Hill but obviously the Grealish one was there was it was a nasty kind of undertone yeah. to it and I think that the, 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 just to jump in that the you know there's a statement from Blues out there a statement from um, from Monk and there's no getting away from the fact that thousands and thousands and thousands of Blues fans applauded what happened yeah but I, I mean as I can see that as a tribal thing. Like, if this happened at Villa Park, would it, you know, you would get certain Villa fans would be applauding it as well. It's a, I, I, I don't it's, know. I don't know. And, I, and this is where. I mean, there's this, oh, you know, every, everybody always says their fan group is as holy as thou. But, you know, you, you know, we were talking about the toxicity uh, in the last episode mm. and some, you know, some of the what people do. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Aston Villa fans are like bloody you know, mothers, Teresa's minions at all. So there is that tribal thing. uh, But also, obviously, you've got to look at, there's a lot of Blues fans that can't believe what happened. And, you know, they they were um, not happy at all with their own fan for doing it. So in terms of, I think you throw the book at the individual. As we said, normally it's goalkeepers because they're in mm. close proximity to the uh, the touchline, obviously. And then you understand why that happens. But it's also something that can be controlled a bit more. But this one, I mean, the stewards, stewarding, Birmingham have got to look at themselves mm. as a club because, A, normally their fans in recent years have topped the arrest uh, tables. But this is the second time in this fixture this has happened. A, mm. a fan has come on the pitch and punched a, a Villa player. So they have to look at their security. I mean, this isn't something that's going to be decided, 
next week. I just think it's the, it's the casual nature that the guy, he, he, not only does he get on the pitch at a you know, really innocuous moment of the game, but he, he gets right up to, well, he, he does what he does. And, yeah. You know, before before the steward even gets there, you know, a number of players, and I have to say Whelan and Mings basically stop the guy getting lynched anyway. They do remarkable yeah. job because all hell broke loose. Horahan wanted to take him out and uh, you know people we were talking about the you know the let's say the Irish racism to them when mm. they were having what was perceived as poor games people calling them Irish this and Irish that but hello who was up there the first to step up mm. it was Whelan and Horahan yeah. and then later on in the celebration when uh, that steward was having a go at the Grealish Horahan uh, was right in there mm. and wanted to uh, deal with the steward I think with the the Blues fan is that there were comparisons after the game online from Blues fans throwing it back at Villa going, oh, well, you know, what happened with your fan with Robbie Savage? And obviously there was no contact involved. But yeah. the context of the game was that Villa were 2-0 down. I think they'd just gone down to like nine men. Yeah. And that ho- the whole ground was exploding around mm. them. And then a fan's come on in the heat of the moment. This is yeah. nine minutes into a game that's had no incident. So that they can't say that that isn't a premeditated thing. He's not acting in the heat of the moment. That is a right. If I get a chance, I'm going to have a crack at him. Yeah. This that is somebody plan, who wants to be, he wants inst- to be the he- insta-famous. He wants to be the hero on the on the terrace, doesn't he? He's thinking, well, I know I'm going to get caught. I know I'm not going to get away with it, but I get to be the hero here. And unfortunately, the, the, the culture around the Blues means, unfortunately, he will be, because he will be lauded by their supporters and he'll have his picture on fucking T-shirts and those stupid little key rings they have when they have a day out in London mm. and all this nonsense like the Paul Tate T-shirt. and This will be one of those trophies in their fucking cabinet. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tedious attitude mm. for them to have. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i getting increasingly bored of the idiots of this world and, <laughs> and you know, this guy's going to get what's coming to him mm. and, you know, he's, he might have to move out of Birmingham as well because, uh, you know, everybody knows his face. So you'll get the the book thrown at him, and life's not going to be good for him from now on, just for one act of being a knobhead, really. No, and then obviously, and then it comes down to do the the wider authorities decide that actually, do you know what, we need to take, we need to make an example of the club. That's where it gets interesting, and it's how far it spills because we we got to remember, as I said, it you know things like this don't happen uh, very frequently at all. Arrest rates are going down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Behavior on the whole is is you know it gets has been better than it has uh, for years. So you might get into a situation by why this this idiot suddenly uh, provokes the authorities to start thinking, oh, we'll have, you know, we need to raise the barriers around and then suddenly, the, you know, fans start to get a bit more distance from the actual game and, you know, more liberties are taken away in whatever form. The treatment and the freedom within a stadium to watch a game becomes less and less when obviously we've been trying to get it to go the other way and, you know, be more like Germany where you can actually drink at your seat and, you know, actually uh, enjoy the game. But it's just you just need one or two idiots to uh, spark the scaremongers the, you know the bureaucrats into uh taking away everybody's enjoyment and you know this is even to the smaller extent if suddenly they start to do mass punishment for blues fans and barring them i think the club have to take responsibility and obviously they you know there's potential for fines there and uh even worse so the upshot is i think uh the efl and fa and i think they've got to focus it more on the club because obviously there's previous there rather than it be a football issue, if you know what I mean, and it be this widespread yeah. thing, and then suddenly, oh, you know, standing stadiums, and well, I think we should put that on ice. No, and no. Uh, It's definitely a club issue. You know, there was, yeah. you know, there was the, the missiles incident last year, and every time yeah. we, we play the 
guys. There's, 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 there's always something. Yeah, I mean, the game at Villa normally goes off without much trouble. So we get it, we get it right. But when it comes to the Blues, I mean, they only just uh, gave the green light to let fans out you know, change the gate that they let fans out just so we can let fans out without actually holding them back for, which obviously was 90 minutes last year. So I don't think they're the most enlightened people who work there. You know, I go to these, uh, this independent advisory group, uh, the the West Midlands Police Football Unit, and, you know, they're having incidents with stewards and problems uh, for, you know, a lot of matches. We've seen the video footage or whatever. So they've got to get their act in order and, uh, you know, But they, 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 there's there's two parts to this for me, and I'll be very very quick. That I think it's a, pro, a proportionality thing, and I think that you know that the guy will on a, on a personal level he'll get you know he's going to get time for this, and rightly so. But you know, and that spears out for me in a couple of different ways. That clubs over recent seasons have, have have outsourced their stewarding; it's become poor. We had issues at Villa. That's got to be addressed. You need proper decent stewarding who understand the fans and the issues and whatever. You can't have old men sat on bloody fold down chairs by the side of the pitch watching shit go down around them. Or old men punching players. Oh, old men punching players. Um, the, the, and the final thing I'd say is that, that, that it, it, we, they do need to make examples of, of clubs. They, they absolutely have to. If this happens at Aston yeah. Villa, it happens at Birmingham City, it needs to happen. It doesn't mean that football's breaking down, but there are dickheads at every club. And I think that even in the afternoon after the, after the second City derby, we saw some idiot run onto the Emirates. And we do need yeah. to start making examples. It can't become the norm because I do. Yeah. I think that the police, you know, you mentioned rightly some of the things that some of the meetings you've been to, and it, you know, we've joked about the the real things that they're doing, like the laughable things of having deploying military grade drones. They're preoccupied yeah. with, with with this thing that you know they, they just need to to get back to basic policing and and, and dealing with the the idiots who who are intent on disrupting the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he got as far on the pitch as possible, and that and that suggests that there isn't an eagle eagle eye on on these exactly. Things. I mean, how do they frigging miss that? And that's because they're preoccupied yeah. with pointing cameras at innocent citizens sat, sat watching the game. Indeed. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Right. Let's uh, let's move on from uh, the nastiness uh, to what what it sparked, and I think it it gave the game purpose all of a sudden because we needed to win to have any chance of even thinking about the playoffs. But you know, you're going into that game, and a lot of uh, Villa fans are saying, "Oh, you know, we'll, I'll take a draw," because because there's a fear of just they don't want to lose to the Blues. While if we were to have any purpose this season, we had to beat them, and then suddenly this incident kicks off, and then you think, right, we really have to beat them now because that's the only way we want to leave this game is we want justice and we want karma as well. Absolutely, and I think even from just the the footballing point of view and we were on the the, uh, the other side of this last year in the playoff final that football had to be the winner in the end and it was great that ultimately the the one or two moments of real quality came from villa and that they scored and they hit the bar yeah and you know the, and the algazi chance in the first half was a cracking bit of play that will probably go quite unmissed in the mm. You know, in the narrative of the game, but it was a fantastic piece of approach play in which yeah, Algarzi yeah. should have buried it. Yeah, well, Gre- Grealish actually uh, created two very good chances because obviously after the Algarzi one in, uh, in the second half, there was the green one as well. Mm. Yeah, and even Anne Abraham had one as well, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just wanted, just before we go on, I just wanted to say one thing about the Grealish thing. Uh, I went to the F- uh, Aston Villa fan consultation group meeting and uh, one of the sections uh, we discussed was about Aston Villa's recent media, social media, and, it, and sometimes it's quite infantile and sometimes it's it's kind of embarrassing in terms of the stature of the club. And we've had this discussion with actual Christian Perslow in a previous meeting, uh, I think back in November, and you know he agreed and on you know most of the issues in terms of the tone and he actually employs somebody now to overlook the tone of both the marketing and and the the kind of commercial side of things and you know i was saying well you know this the hype of Grealish was so much as we obviously alluded to in the last episode uh, that there are potential negative effects of this and it can get a bit reckless for example uh, like the you know Fabian Delft's situation where they used it really as a PR exercise. Villa weren't doing very well. They announced this new contract, Fabian Delft, and we all knew what happened then. Mm. Uh, it was essentially, that was just to get, you know, eight million in the bank and he was always going to p- potentially leave uh, in the summer if anybody came along with that ridiculously low uh, release clause. And so that builds up bad blood. I mean, F- Fabian Delft, I mean, he's obviously got total bad blood against him. So Grealish, what happens if Grealish suddenly walks out the door? But what also are you doing? You're hyping in Birmingham. You're hyping this player, hyping this player. So of course the opposition, the opposition fans are going to hate him even more. And that may trigger something like this. I mean, it's not an excuse for it. But what I'm just saying is that there are kind of reper- repercussions for ac- certain actions. I mean, especially when Mug came out, you know, very openly before the game and saying, oh, you know, we won't be targeting Jack Grealish. And within, what, three minutes, Keefton Bell had snapped him in half. It's like... Yeah. It was like a repeat of the first game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Grealish did well. Uh, I mean, I, I thought a great decision by Dean Smith was to take him off uh, after 80 minutes. A, with the view that obviously the Forest game is as important mm. as this. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I was hoping he just he wasn't injured, but... Uh, I think on reflection, it, it, it was just basically where well, he had 70 minutes against Derby, 80 minutes here. Mm. He's still building him up. But it was also a good time to, it also took the sting out of the game a little bit as well, because it gave, uh, it took away the focal point from the Blues fans as, you know, their, as their point of hatred. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, Grealish said after the game, didn't he, that he was, he was cramping up a little bit. So it was the right thing yeah. to do just to get fresh legs on and, and sort of, you know, manage the game and 
we've used that phrase numerous times all season, the, the lack of game management. And mm. actually, Villa's against Birmingham was great. But whenever they had the opportunity to actually just take their time and, and sort of take the sting out of the game, and the Blues were more than happy to let Mings and Howes at the back just have the ball on the back line. They didn't actually pressure the ball, which I really yeah. thought Blues would press Villa quite hard, and they just didn't. We discussed in the last podcast about what his midfield setup would be, and I think we were comfortable with a potential couple of permutations. I mean, I was comfortable with this idea of playing the same midfield that we had uh, against Derby because there was good balance there mm. and Whelan had a great game. Mm. Horahan was getting forward and being a danger. And then what you do have is after an hour or so, you have a chance to bring on John McGinn, who's obviously super, you know, energised Duracell bunny type of player who, uh, when the opposition is tiring, completely changes the dynamic of the game. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. I mean, his uh, he provided the... Uh, the lead up to the goal after the you know mm. before the assist from Taylor for to Grealish to obviously put slot mm. at home Grealish using his brain realizing it was very windy so he decided to go for the grass cutter good selection of shot McGinn was the you could see it through the first half and leading up to it you just thought this game is crying out for him to just come on and drive us up the field mm. which is exactly what he did he you could tell he'd had the um the two week break and you could tell he'd have obviously been a fresh b frustrated to not be on the mm. field and not start yeah. the game he had the look of a player who really had something to prove you know because for him who's been probably our most consistent player all season to to not start one of the biggest games of the season because you've been out of the team mm. it just so happens the game before that team won 4-0 but he would have yeah. been frustrated but he didn't sulk he just came on and took the game to Blues and he ran through them which is something we've thrown at happening to Villa too many times this year and actually yeah. once McGinn came on and gave us the drive all of a sudden Hurahan looked a completely different mm. player in that game mm. And he became yeah. a threat and much more controlled, sort of sitting back in the pocket and just distributing the ball. Yeah, no, I, I was confident we were for the win uh, when both Green and McGinn came on because uh, Green was exactly what we needed also, that kind of directness at the time. And he you know, was very unfortunate not to... Uh, Get the opener. I mean, obviously, we're you know we're talking about Villa here, but there was a there was a bit of pressure from the Blues, and that was I don't think anybody didn't feel nervous towards the end there because mm. there was that feeling where you did feel it was coming, and and Gardner, I mean, missed two uh, great Absolute chances for me. The first one is an awful miss. Yeah, yeah. And if you could choose anybody to have those missing two sitters, it would be him. Oh, he did a great he did a great defensive job for us. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> yes, definitely Agent Gardner. Uh, do you know what it said to me? And it's not. This isn't a criticism of of McGinn because he, he came on and he, uh, as you've rightly said, he created got that fantastic looping ball across to Taylor for the goal. And I also just a final comment on McGinn is that he has this fantastic crab like ability to hold the ball when it seems impossible that he will hold the ball, and that that's that's brilliant. But what it did show, I thought, is is how important Whelan was because the second that he was gone as that anchor in front of um, in front of the defence, we we did look a little bit more vulnerable. I'm sorry, but you you can't use the description crab without paying Stylian Petrov a royalty. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he has he has the or, trademark or Ashley, on that. Or Ashley Westwood. Yeah, or Ashley Westwood. Who scored they, his they first the... goal for Burnley? Yes, for Burnley. It... That's a new. Um, isn't that a new feature after the Hogan Scott Hogan touch count? We have the Ashley Westwood goal count. New and exciting. Yeah, feature. well, that, that was the first goal he ever scored for Burnley. So uh, <laughs> maybe the next time. Uh, the Ashley Westwood goal count probably about two seasons, three seasons away. The, the Ashley Westwood golden boot. We'll have that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, what what I thought was that 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 was the only. I mean, they were they were shocking misses. The one from, the one he manages to sky over the bar. I thought, oh, that that's. It felt like that would be the moment. But then when he had the header at the death, <laughs> that he bulleted yeah. past the post. That was when I thought, well, if if he's not going to score that, then I think we'll be okay. But I, you know, we missed Whelan in the final stages. But I I also think that uh, Mings got us over the line there big he was time. Immense. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, really, Grealish obviously takes the headlines for everything that goes on, but on a purely footballing perspective, Mings was the best player on the field mm. by a country mile yeah. at St Andrews. He was superb. It was honestly, I would go as far as to say it's one of the best defensive performances I've seen from Villa in the best part of a decade. I can't think of a better performance. Considering we well, haven't bothered okay. defending for a decade, I, think I mean, I'd compare it to the the era of kind of Melberg and Larson. Wow, wow, wow! I wow. thought he was that dominant, Com- especially when you you know you compare. Like, in all fairness to um, Lars- Larson, only played about nine games. No, so you know I Melbourne. like Larson. You always roll this statistic out. <laughs> so I imagine he played hundreds of games. And what I'd say, you know, <laughs> to, to big Mings up is, you know, he came up against. Uh, you know, Jukovic, who is a unit as well. You know, he played well, I thought, Jukovic. Yeah, and, and, him and, good player, and him and Che Adams are probably the best pairing in the league, really, because mm. everyone else plays with one. I thought Adams worked really hard mm. to essentially fashion his own chances. Yeah, yeah, and okay. You almost felt sorry for mm. him because he was trying. The thing that I think Blues really lacked, and not in a Gary Gardner sense, but the fact that mm. Villa had a, a creative midfielder who you always felt, we can make something happen. Yeah. Blues, you kind of felt that this yeah. is going to be a set piece or a mistake yeah. or a worldie. But they're not going to fashion a well-crafted goal. They come across as a, a kind of a blue-collar midfielder, but you know, Yotta is there, but hotter. But he just didn't really have any footprint on the no. game. Whenever I've seen him play for Blues, I've just thought, "Wow, Brentford got an amazing deal." Because as they I, did with Scott Hogan, <laughs> they did. Because I just think he's he's tricks and flicks. But he's so ineffective. Mm. Considering he was up against Neil Taylor, who, with all due respect, has been his form has been patchy. You would have thought, yeah, Blues would have targeted him, and they kind of didn't. Do you, know, do you know what I thought? Just to pick up on what you were saying about Mings, is that the and with you mentioning Taylor, is that Mings has this amazing ability to he, he covers almost two thirds of that defensive side because uh, you know he nipped in and helped uh, House out a couple of times. But he he was often in the left back position. You think, well, where where is Neil Taylor? You know, Mings would be yeah. there, and he quite likes. He's very comfortable on the ball, and there be t- there was times where he was very deep with the ball under pressure. He's very comfortable turning or playing. He did some, yeah. He, I mean, he he got in positions where you shouldn't really be yeah. going as a centre back yeah. just to turn the turn the player just to it beat him. Opens the space up, doesn't it? And, you, and there was a couple of times, as has been in, in many games, where you can see him barracking the midfield for lack of movement. Or that's what I want yeah. to see actually that. Because he's a, he seems capable and willing to play out from the back. It's not always refined a refined ball out, but it's a bit more unorthodox, isn't it? And that's I like it. I mean, we'll talk about it more after the Forest game. Mm. But if we win that, then suddenly we're in this winner takes all. Mm. It's it's kind of like a double or quit type scenario where I think double and quits is probably the best uh, description. Mm. Where we could potentially be in a position to p- properly challenge for the playoffs and then once we're in the playoffs uh, I think we, it's, it's, we're definitely going to fucking win him or we're going for it put it that way <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's shit or bust after, isn't it? after coming from nowhere we're not just making up the numbers in the playoffs the double of quits is the double is we'll get promoted the quits is uh, if we don't make it then we would have had this renaissance where Grealish is impressed and Mings is impressed but they've not 
got us over the line, but they've impressed the shop window and, you know, mm. Mings will be snapped up by a Premier League team, no problem, because he's he's shown himself to be at that level mm. without a doubt. Yeah. And Grealish has has finally proven his worth, and uh, he'll be off as well. So we're we're walking that dangerous line, uh, but I'd rather go for it and beat Forest, and then see where we go from there. Just looking at the table again, and examining it as you're doing, you're thinking, well, after you know, with Forest on the horizon and Middlesbrough, and you, you look at the teams and. I think the top three are decent teams. The Albion are, are, are doing their best to self-implode. Middlesbrough, I thought, we, we looked very good when we went up there. Derby, obviously, we dispatched. Bristol City and Forest, come on. If we can't get ourselves organised in, in the last eight games of the season, and as you say, we might as well kitchen sink it. You're falling into the trap there. I think you just take it one game at a time. We've got to beat Forest, and then we can carry on the conversation. You can look at these teams and go, oh, well, we beat them, we played well. It means nothing because we know about Villa. And if we haven't learned about what Villa, how Villa can implode so easily... I'm not, I'm not dismissing that we can't implode. And that's that's been my frustration as as I've been banging on on this on the website and on this this podcast for years is our inability to go on long w- winning runs. You know, Bristol City, I know they're in they're on a, a losing streak, I suppose now, but they, they put together what eight, nine victories, was it? Yeah, I think eight, eight, eight yeah. victories. You know, Villa, Villa have never done that. And I think we Yeah, and that's what we'll need well, uh, essentially to get up. We will need it and um and I think we were saying a couple of weeks ago that it would be remarkable or actually, um, what did we say? A miracle, I think was the word that someone used. But looking at it, I mean, we're repeating what we said at the end of last show, but looking at it, if we beat Forest, then suddenly, uh, and obviously beat Borough, just I'll put that one in for Chris Bud. <laughs> Then and, and with Bristol to come, to the, <laughs> yeah, that's, we're going too far, too far, too far. Before the international break, we'll actually be in the mix. Now we'll only be like potentially three points off. So you're in the running there, and it doesn't matter how many games are left. There's enough games for you know an ebb and flow to happen. You're at the races, what mm. I'm saying. Mm. But you're not going to need that 75 points that Derby needed last season to finish sixth. This season will be a little lower, and that's uh, that's why we've got a chance. I mean, look at what's happened. There was four teams in those outside the playoff situations after Villa beat Derby. There was Aston Villa, Birmingham, Hull, Forest in those. Teams that were potentially good enough to get in the playoffs, as fate would have it, they were playing each other in like a, some kind of mini tournament. Mm. Forest played Hull, Villa played Blues, Villa beat Blues, Forest dispatched Hull 3 0. Now Villa are playing Forest. If we beat them, then I think we're a legit playoff contender again. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that game, actually. Yeah, and we have to approach it with the same intensity as we did yeah. in the Blues, because if we do this beat Wolves 4-1 routine and then fuck up the next game straight away, then the midweek yeah. game straight after, mm-hmm. then we don't go anywhere. So uh, beat Forest, and then there's a statement of intent, and you've got a bit of belief in the tank as well, and uh, who knows what could happen. Uh, just a couple of things on the game. Uh, Tommy Elphick in the away end. I think Callum Robinson was in there as well, as well as some uh, Villa coaching staff that I spotted. I don't know where they got their... Uh, are they part of the Villa away scheme? Are they or, part of the park? Uh, <laughs> part of the park? Have they got enough uh, matches on their record? I think they were stewarding, weren't they? Yeah, potentially. That's how we had to get into games now. <laughs> there is a great shot of Elphick, isn't there, celebrating the goal? I'm a fan of that. Yeah, no, it's uh, spot on. I think we've we've discussed uh, briefly there mm. where we want to be before the international break, mm. and uh, I think you just got to say beat Forest, beat Borough, and then we go into the international break knowing that Smith can ready his troops because we're in a playoff battle, and potentially 
uh, to Nzebi will be uh, creeping back. I don't know what the situation is with James Chester. As I said in a previous show, back uh, at Christmas, it was thought on the grapevine that he would need an operation that would take him out for most of the season, if not all the season. Mm. And it's one of those where they thought, well... Uh, Obviously, he had to play on because we didn't have any cover. And yeah. it's one of those things where you can kind of manage week to week. So I don't know if he's, uh, we will see him again. Elphick will be back mid-April. But I think the main work in terms of playoffs is this coming week. I would uh, I would throw that one out there. Yeah, I think, you know, by this time, this time next week, as it were, I think you'll have a, you know, post where you'll have an idea of where we could or could not be. It's yeah. suddenly exciting again. Yeah, it potentially. Is. And, and a sense... A bit, a bit like the run of games we had in sort of November, December. There's a, a real sense of a difficult run of games, but what an opportunity Absolutely. rather than what a difficult run of games and it's going to be depressing. I think everyone feels a sense of positivity and a, a sense of maybe there's a bit of momentum here again. Yeah. It might sound quite dismissive of what's that's actually happened, but we're actually doing what we should be doing. You know, we should be approaching yeah. games in this way of trying to win them and a major yeah. part of we, as we've said over well the Jack Grealish show has yeah. come along and re- yeah. well, rescued we, us we joke yeah. but you know and we were I think, I'm not joking I'm uh, being serious no 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 no. but the, my yeah. point was before in the in the two or three months he was off he, we were you know we weren't sure whether it was the Jack Grealish show but I think how, how pivotal he is to us turning things around and actually you know looking just two two games forward that it it's become possible again and he's got something very very special that well, for Big Forest, it will be. No, exactly. But I think that without him, I, I, I think that we, we're contemplating something different because we're going into that game now, now considering something that was even just two games ago impossible is, is now possible. With, with the players we've got, I think that they will be confident that they, they, will, they will feel that they're getting their shit together. And, we've yeah. been, and, we, and how long have we been saying that? That if they get their shit together, they'll be fine. But it says so, and we've discussed this so many times, that it says so much about the rest of the league mm. as to how bad Villa have been at times this season. Yeah. And to be four points off the playoffs after the what is it two wins in fifteen, mm. yeah, says probably more about the rest of the league than it says about Villa. But it also says a lot about us as well because <laughs> we haven't taken advantage of this Com- situation. Completely. But the fact that we're still in with a shout—it's remarkable—and really. have momentum is kind of like wow, you know. Because as as you said earlier, you know, you look at Leeds and Norwich and they're they're pulling away. Sheffield United are a tidy team. But I don't fear anyone in the league, and I'm sure yeah. the players and the manager, they definitely won't. Yeah, you, you could say to me, uh, like, 15 games. I think we've won, uh, before this one, we'd, like, won 3 and 15 or something. You could have said to me, oh, Villa have won 7 out of the last 15 in the championship, and I'd say to you, that's just not good enough. But if we had won 7 out of the last 15, we'd be in, probably be in the playoffs now and uh, looking good. It, and we've always said this, it doesn't take that much no. to... Uh, get in the playoffs and triumph in this league. You just need to get your act together in, to get in the top two. I mean, we're, we're, we're defensively looking more like a team, finally. Yeah. And attacking-wise, we're always going to score goals. The bottom line is, uh, in terms of the whole... And, and the stars are starting to align, and the final thing that needs to happen, really, is for Norwich and Leeds to uh, romp home in the automatics, leaving our final two games against those two teams... Uh, Dead rubbers. Dead, dead for rubbers for them. Anyway, it's time to get out of here. Enough of the Jack Grealish show. I mean, we can start talking about Crufts now if you'd like, but uh, I think it's time to uh, get the hell out of here and call it a day. The next show will be uh, after the Middlesbrough game. 
So please do follow us on Spotify and uh, iTunes and all the other apps that you use, uh, just so you get the first heads up to when the uh, the show drops. Also, become a patron on myomansaid.com stroke patron to check out the details there to help us carry on the show. Anyway, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. goodbye. My old man said. Grealish again. You'll see that. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.